Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today, we are discussing the ninth parak of Sefer Melachim. Last parak, we heard Shlomo's prayer at the inauguration of the Beis HaMikdash, which broadly speaking had two elements. First, uh, Shlomo Davin, he prayed that his kingship and that the Davidic dynasty be secure over the nation. And secondly, that the Beis HaMikdash should be a place of divine focus, where uh, the tefillos of the nation will be heard, and indeed the tefillos of the entire world will be heard and be channeled, brought before Hashem. Our parak opens with Hashem responding to both of those tefillos in the affirmative. Hashem says that I have sanctified this house that you have built, so he indeed uh, bestows upon it. Uh, the quality of being, you know, the Beis HaMikdash. And he says that my eyes and my heart will be upon it. Hashem will indeed have an increased presence, an increased focus on the Beis HaMikdash, and it will serve as this great vehicle, uh, this conduit between Hashem and the Jewish people, and the, for the Jewish people's prayers to be brought before Hashem. And so that's check to one of Shlomo's tefillahs, and uh, to the second one as well, that he, his throne be established over the nation. Hashem likewise says that he will be firmly established as the king uh, to reign over B'nai Yisrael. However, these things are contingent on Shlomo leading the nation in the proper way, following the statutes, the laws, and the ways of Hashem. And Hashem says, if you fail to do so, I will destroy the Beis HaMikdash, and I will exile you and the entire nation from the land. And I think that this threat of exile is actually, it represents a kind of a watershed moment. Because we don't really have the threat of exile uh, through Nevi'im Rishonim until now. In the Torah, of course, already in, right in Chamishi Chumshei Torah, particularly in Sefer Devarim, time and again, we are, uh, we're, we are warned that if we sin, the land is going to spit us out, that the nations are going to drive us out. And the threat of exile is, is not uh, first mentioned here in uh, Sefer Melachim, but throughout Nach, until this point, uh, it's been absent. So it's mentioned in the Torah, and then it it hasn't been here. I mean, consider the centuries during the era of the Shoftim, where there are so many low points, when the nation so blatantly strays from Hashem, worships foreign gods, and yet there is no exile. Instead, during that period of time, when the nation would stray, so there would be incursions from other nations who would harm us, who would even tyrannize us at, at, at points. But there's no discussion, there's no threat of exile. Why is that? Why don't we have exile until this point? Certainly there have been points when, in the abstract, the nation should deserve it. And, and my sense is that Hashem is not going to exile the nation until we've truly arrived in the land, until we've established ourselves in the land. Meaning, from the time the nation enters into Canaan, uh, so in Sefer Yehoshua, um, there are three tasks ahead of the nation. Three things that the, the nation must do to really be firmly rooted in the land. And the Gemara explains it, and it's really a, a pretty good way of summarizing everything we've learned so far, right? The first thing they must do is conquer the land. That's really the story of Sefer Yehoshua and Shoftim. Shoftim then also shifts uh, and kind of sets the stage for Sefer Shmuel, which is about appointing a king. And then finally, after appointing a king, building the base Hamikdash. That's the third task, and that's accomplished in Sefer Malachim. So we have a, a pretty nice overview, three tasks, conquer the land, appoint a king, 
build a base on Mikdash. That's a, a pretty good summary, a bullet point summary of what happens over all of Nevi'im Rishonim up until this point. And so it's really only now that we've built a base on Mikdash, having achieved all the prerequisite conditions for that. It's really only now that B'nai Yisrael are really truly in the land in the truest sense. Right? We're only now really rooted. We've only now kind of made it. For Hashem uh, to exile the nation before we, we got to this point would have, in a certain respect, been unfair and premature. The nation first has to kind of have a chance to be there and to, to be there in the fullest sense, and only then uh, can Hashem exile us. So that means that now that we've reached this monumental achievement and that process of the conquest is truly complete, now for the first time it makes sense that the threat of exile is presented to us. Now Hashem tells Shlomo, okay, if you stray, it's not just that, uh, that Amon's going to attack you. It's not just that a Moab is going to attack you, that Amalek is going to attack you. No, if you stray, now there truly is the threat of exile. And in that sense, the Beis HaMikdash, the completion of the Beis HaMikdash, really raises the stakes for the nation. After Hashem's warning, we, we really conclude this glorious section of our Sefer. Uh, right, we, we've since uh, Parak Gimel basically we've been on a, a an upward um, roller coaster. It's not a roller coaster. It's just been pure ascent. It's been wonderful things. There, as we as we've noted, there are there are elements that are a little bit off. There, the seeds of of issues have been planted, but by and large, we've we've been just going up, up, up. Things have been great, and now after this warning of Hashem and this answering of Hashem's, uh, of Shlomo's prayers, now from Pasuk Yud onward, I think we, we, we start tipping downward. The parak is, uh, is not, uh, by and large, uh, a terrible parak. Uh, it's overall a positive one. Still, the remainder of the parak is, uh, there isn't a terrible sin, there isn't some horrible, immediate calamity that takes place. But as you'll see, and I'll, I'll run through a, a list of things, the remainder of the parak leaves us with a little bit of a, a funny taste in our mouth. First, we learn that the king of Tzor, uh, Hiram, uh, is, is, is uh, not only supplying Shlomo with cedar, but also a vast amount of gold. That's not something that we had known up until this point. Okay, that's not terrible. In return, Shlomo gives Hiram 20 cities in the Galil. Uh, a move that in and of itself is... It's kind of odd, even problematic. How could a king of Israel give away a chunk, of a large swath of our holy land to a foreign nation? That's kind of strange. And on top of that, Hiram is unhappy with this payment. He essentially says, no, thank you. He looks at, the, at, at this land and he says, this, is, this isn't pleasing land. This isn't, uh, for whatever reason, either it's not very fertile land or by whatever metrics it was being judged, it didn't satisfy Hiram. So not only is this not a, a move that sits well with us in a kind of religious way, from a religious vantage point, but even politically, this is not a, a politically expedient and fruitful move. Okay, interesting. Then we learn that Paro uh, had conquered and destroyed Gezer, and then he gifted it to his daughter, Shlomo's wife. Again, how he makes sense of that is not so clear, but presumably it also doesn't reflect very well on Shlomo that another king, the king of Egypt, no less, needs to intervene in such matters. After that, we learn that Shlomo enslaves the local population the, the, of, the, of the Shiva Amamim, of the Amori, the Chiti, the Prizi. And while 
the slaves make up the labor market, the nation becomes this kind of bourgeois middle class. We're told that the nation now is, is, is not doing this kind of manual labor that the slave uh, class is engaged in, but they're working in governmental jobs and military positions. So we're seeing a move away from a move away from the land, a move away from an agrarian society, a move away from a connection to the earth, which perhaps you could couple with the fact that Shlomo was willing to give away these 20 cities, something to think about. And then finally, the parak ends and we learn that Shlomo builds a navy with Hiram from Tzor, the king, uh, and enables him, this navy enables him to travel to Ophira, which is probably the Horn of Africa, but there are different opinions as to, to where exactly it is, in order to acquire more gold. To be sure, right? Okay, so that's, that's how the parak ends. This, it's Shlomo uh, turning outside of his borders to now find and amass even more gold. To be sure, none of these kind of small anecdotes, which I've just run through, are in and of themselves terribly bad. And their implications individually are kind of up for grabs. You could make sense of them in any number of ways, but as a whole, and especially knowing what is to come in the pruck in the head, it seems that the nation is growing too wealthy. It's growing detached in the land, too interested in gold. Gold, 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 gold comes up so much in this parak. We have become oppressors, right? We've become the people with a slave population uh, working for us, and that certainly the mention of Paro just before that, the notion that you know Paro has this engagement in Gezer, and then right after that we learn, firstly, that Shlomo builds Are Miskinos, right? The, which, uh, these storehouses, which the, that, that language, of course, brings us right back to the Egyptian um, tyranny of the Jewish, of, of B'nai Yisrael, so we have like Egypt, Aramis, Genot, and then, but who's the taskmaster? Who are the, the slave owners? Who are the, 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 the tyrannizers? It's B'nai Yisrael, it's Shlomo. So that all kind of sits uncomfortably with us. And then, you know, we're, we're allied very strongly with Egypt, and, and then we're, we're going on these far-flung missions to nations half the world away in order to uh, accrue even more gold. All of it together, the, the totality of the picture should sound the alarm. And indeed, we know that we are uh, soon headed for a much darker period. And it seems that after the conclusion of the description of the Beis HaMikdash and this wonderful, extremely lofty moment, we've already now entered into this murkier territory, bringing us uh, kind of ominously uh, to that darker chapter. That's it for today. Chazak ve'amatz and happy learning.